0: August 23rd, and today as we look into the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 1 through 28. We'll learn that we have a living Lord. Jesus is alive, and the gospel message is true. Witnesses who saw Him have passed along their testimony to us. When you trust Him, you receive resurrection life, eternal life. Death can hold you no more. And we'll learn that we have a living hope. Jesus Christ will come again. And the dead in Christ will be raised. We will have glorified bodies like Christ's body. Now keep in mind that resurrection is not reconstruction. God does not reassemble the original body that is turned to dust. Like flowers and fruit from the planted seed, the glorified body is related to the planted body, but quite different from it. And we will learn that we have a living dynamic. See, we have no reason to give up because Jesus has conquered sin and death. If you really believe in the resurrection and return of Jesus, well, this will uh, characterize your life. The best is yet to come, so let us give Him our best now, right now, today. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. August 23rd. 1st Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 28. Now let me Paul remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and still do now, for your faith is built on this wonderful message. And it is this good news that saves you if you firmly believe it. Unless of course you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important, and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, as the Scriptures said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve apostles. After that, he was seen by more than five hundred of his followers, at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died by now. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, I saw him too, long after the others, as though I had been born at the wrong time. For I am the least of all the apostles, and I am not worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church of God. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out His special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than all the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by His grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach. The important thing is that you believed what we preached to you. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead— then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ was not raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your trust in God is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still under condemnation for your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ have perished. And if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are the most miserable people in the world. But the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. He has become the first of a great harvest of those who will be raised to life again. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Christ. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man, but all who are related to Christ, the other man, will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised first, that when Christ comes back, all his people will be raised, after that the end will come, when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having put down all enemies of every kind. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has given him authority over all things. Of course, when it says authority over all things, it does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then when he has conquered all things, the Son will present himself to God, so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere.
1: But I have determined in my life not to let what I don't know keep me from sowing what God has given me to sow. I've come to the conclusion at this point that I don't have to know how. The way I came to this conclusion was that I saw when God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. That's the point when I stopped trying to calculate and figure out how God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Because he told me in his Bible that the kingdom is like a seed. And at times it's going to feel like it's not enough to meet the need that I'm up against. So I know that there are going to be times in my life that I feel like my gift is insignificant and my resource is insignificant and maybe even feel like my existence is insignificant there are times that I get off this stage preaching to you and I feel like I failed I never want to preach again I think about calling Guitar Center and seeing can I sell drums starting Monday because I sow the seed and it goes into the soil and I can't control what happens next and this is the part of faith that we need to explain to people so that they don't give up when they scatter the seed and the thorns choke it out there will be large stages and long seasons of your Christian life that you will not feel like you are growing and those are the times you're growing the most when you can't do one more rep When you don't feel like you have one more prayer to pray, when the Bible reads like an instruction manual from Ikea, that's when you're growing. Just don't pluck the seed out of the soil in those dry seasons, because I declare He is the Lord of the harvest, and He makes it grow, and grace takes over when your faith runs out. If you have the faith to say it, say, I don't know how. And if we could converse, you could fill in the blank. I don't know how to. Some of you are running a business and don't know how how, how to. I, 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 I try to be obedient to these moments, and I feel one right now. Usually when we preach, I don't know how, we preach to the person who doesn't know how to pay their rent. It's not just people who don't know how they're going to make their next rent payment who need faith. Some of you are managing millions of dollars of resources, and you don't know how to be happy. You don't know how to have peace. You don't know how to balance work and family and ballet and the boardroom and Susie's got ballet, but you've got payroll, and you don't know how to balance it all. Oh, it's difficult to survive the soil of success just like it is the soil of failure. It's it's difficult to survive emotional seasons of barrenness just like financial seasons of barrenness. I, I think everybody in here has a I don't know how. If we could get past all of your angelic facade, your faith facade. Faith is dirty work. Let me tell you a little dirty, dirty little secret about the kingdom. The person next to you doesn't know how either. They don't know how they made it. They don't know how they kept their faith. They don't know how they survived. It really defies their understanding. That's what makes it faith. So now I'm at the point where I'm okay to not know how. I learned it from Abraham. God told him to go, but he didn't show him where. And the problem with a lot of us is we need to know too much. We need God to give us step seven before we'll do step one. We need God to give us a contract. We need God to give us provision before we trust him with the provision he's already given. We need to know too much. Some of us, if we had been Abraham, we would have made God put it in our GPS before we would have left Ur of the Chaldeans. But that wouldn't take faith. And God is not going to allow you to live in a, a state of certainty because that would strangle your faith. I grow the most when I don't know. You know? When I have to apologize and say, I'm sorry, I handled that wrong. I probably was a little harsh on that. I never did this before. Can you forgive me? Blessed are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Not those who are so full of themselves that they always have to know how.
0: Psalm 38, verses 1 through 22 Now this is the third of the penitential psalms and it reveals what happens to you when you sin First we'll learn what God does See, God loves you too much to allow you to sin and get away with it If you disobey, He will first rebuke you and then chasten you He will shoot His arrows from a distance or come closer and put His hand on you But he will let you know that he is displeased. And we'll learn what sin does. David suffered from sickness because of his sin. He carried a heavy burden and was crushed under it. He sighed and panted and was ready to quit. Sin comes as a friend to entice you and then becomes a master to enslave you. We'll learn what people do. Sin puts a wall between you and those who can help you. But it builds a bridge between you and those who want to exploit you and hurt you. And we'll also uh, learn here in Psalm 38 what the sinner must do. The only hope is to confess sin and cry out to God for mercy. He promises to forgive. So go ahead, confess and claim his promise. Psalm 38 verses 1 through 22, a Psalm of David to bring us to the Lord's remembrance. O oh Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger, don't discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep, and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink. "'because of my foolish sins. "'I am bent over and racked with pain. "'My days are filled with grief. "'A raging fever burns within me, "'and my health is broken. "'I am exhausted and completely crushed. "'My groans come from an anguished heart. "'You know what I long for, Lord. "'You hear my every sigh. "'My heart beats wildly. "'My strength fails.' AND I AM GOING BLIND. MY LOVED ONES AND FRIENDS STAY AWAY, FEARING MY DISEASE. EVEN MY OWN FAMILY STANDS AT A DISTANCE. MEANWHILE, MY ENEMIES LAY TRAPS FOR ME. THEY MAKE PLANS TO RUIN ME. THEY THINK UP TREACHEROUS DEEDS ALL DAY LONG. BUT I AM DEAF TO ALL THEIR THREATS. I AM SILENT BEFORE THEM AS ONE WHO CANNOT SPEAK. I CHOOSE TO HEAR NOTHING, AND I MAKE NO REPLY. FOR I AM WAITING FOR YOU, O LORD. YOU MUST ANSWER FOR ME, O LORD, MY GOD. I PRAYED, DON'T LET MY ENEMIES GLOAT OVER ME, OR REJOICE AT MY DOWNFALL. I AM ON THE VERGE OF COLLAPSE, FACING CONSTANT PAIN. BUT I CONFESS MY SINS. I AM DEEPLY SORRY FOR WHAT I HAVE DONE. MY ENEMIES ARE MANY. THEY HATE ME, THOUGH I HAVE DONE NOTHING AGAINST THEM. They repay me evil for good and oppose me because I stand for the right. Do not abandon me, Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. Proverbs 21, verses 28 and 29. A false witness will be cut off, but an attentive witness will be allowed to speak. The wicked... Put up a bold front, but the upright proceed with care.